If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Final cutdown day came and went yesterday. You have a 53-man roster for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Some surprises, I think, that happened when you saw the final roster and how it shook out. But overall, I think that everybody that you expected to make it uh, made it. I don't think there was any shocking surprises like a Derek Watt or somebody like that that we speculated could happen yesterday. But there were big names. I would say big names. Impact players, maybe not. Good point. And honestly, I think some of these names that we're going to get to, it really is indicative of how the depth has really grown in certain position groups for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We also have a couple trades, of course, that we got to get into today that helped shape out that 53-man roster, a couple new additions to your Pittsburgh Steelers. So a lot of things happening on a cutdown day. Omar Khan was a very busy man yesterday. It wasn't simply, let's shave this thing down to 53 we, we had to go out and look in other teams' scrap heap and find some diamonds in the rough, we hope, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, to bring aboard and help round out that roster. He's been a busy guy, Tom, ever since he took over. Let's let's be honest with it. With the Stefan Tuart replacement to Larry Ogunjobi, the Minka Fitzpatrick contract, the Deontay, Con- Deontay Johnson contract, uh, having to deal with guys going down on the IR throughout training camp, replacing them with just some camp names, but at least you're having bodies there. And then here you are on the 53-man cutdown day, and you're still going out to sign guys that you would rather have on your team compared to the guys that you cut. So, Omar Khan, I mean, just sticking with it, not just idling out and saying, hey, it's the offseason for us, too. I mean, I'm allowed to take it off. <laughs> no, not even a little bit. He's been masterful of so far in his first year at the helm of the Steelers as general manager taking over for Kevin Colbert. Some of those names that were released that I thought were – Pretty surprising, or not surprising, but names that we recognize. Uh, first and foremost, John LeGlue. We talked about him a lot yesterday, though. Uh, but Henry Mondo on the defensive side of the ball. Here's a guy that not only has been around the past couple of years for the Steelers, but you've seen him on game days. You've seen him yep. get game action. He's been playing especially snaps last on defense. Yeah, but I'm glad you said it, especially last year, because my thoughts on Mondo is depth just caught up with this guy. I think he's still able to make an NFL 53-man roster. I think he's got that kind of talent somewhere in this league. I wouldn't be surprised if he catches on somewhere eventually. Wouldn't be surprised if he's able to just be stashed on the Steelers practice squad either, and that would be a pretty positive thing for the Steelers to keep a familiar guy around on that practice squad if you know the other 31 teams 
allow you to do that by not picking him up. But it's just a product of guys came in with Joby and Alu-Alu getting healthy, yep. and they picked up Montrevious Adams late last year, and they liked the addition of Chris Wormley last year, who's really came, really had to play a lot as a starter, but now he's coming on strong as that uh, fourth man. DeMarvin Leal has shown that he was worth the draft pick that yep. they used on him, and maybe even then some. Looks like he could be a diamond in the rough, a mid-round steal, the way he has shown early. Just ran out of spots. You know, it has really nothing to do with Mondo falling off of a cliff. I think his play was pretty steady Eddie from his time at start in Pittsburgh to now. It just was a matter of other guys caught up to you, and they fortified that position group more. And unfortunately, there were just uh, a group of players they deemed better than you to move forward with at that spot. And that applies to the Davis brothers as well. Yeah, the but Davis they're brothers. they're less known names than Mondo. For sure, but you wouldn't really know any of these three guys' names if Stefan Tua didn't have his off the field uh incident with his losing his brother, which you can never say enough about how that is totally on his end to, to deal with and you would never try to rush him back. And then he was also dealing with an injury and then losing Tyson Alualu last year. If either of those guys are here last year, right? If, if Tyson doesn't get hurt or if somehow by some divine miracle Stefan Tua is able to play last year, right? We're not talking about Henry Mondo or the Davis brothers and the capacity that we are today. Because if Cam Hayward has at least one of his starting linemates with him, it's basically just going to be all year long, probably a combination of Cam, Tyson, or Steph, and then, what, Wormley and Montrevious Adams? Montrevious Adams maybe doesn't even get signed to the team just because Chris Wormley is probably good enough to be that third guy. You're not. You're barely talking about the Davis brothers. You're barely talking about Henry Mondo. And so, when you were to end a camp this year, you would assume, or you'd probably work under the assumption that, oh yeah, these guys are not going to make the team this year for sure. But the only reason we kept talking about them was because we saw so much of them last year. In the final spot, I think uh, number seven on the defensive line went to Loudermilk. Uh, I think he was probably the uh, the last man through the door, just because Leal. I think they have faith in him to grow into a good player, and you don't want to let a, a fourth-round pick go just yet. And Montrevious Adams started some games last year down the stretch, played a right. lot, and played well being plugged in from the Saints practice squad. So they obviously liked what he did last year, enough to bring him back on another deal this year. They weren't going to get rid of him. So I think it really came down to louder milk versus the Mondos and the Davises of the world. And you have to imagine that potential just outweighed everything else at that point. And also, Loudermilk found his way on the field late last season as well. You wanted last year to be more of a redshirt year for Loudermilk, though. I think you can kind of get a de facto freshman or redshirt year from him this year sure. now, if all things go according to plan with the six guys in front of him. Uh, he'll be that seventh man, but they obviously like this guy. They traded back into the fifth round a couple years ago to pick him. You want to keep him on your roster. You want to keep him going through game days. He did that last year, yeah. so you know he's capable of doing so. But you're going to take a little bit off of his plate this year, which I think will help in his development. And they obviously really like his development. So I think the potential more than anything really outweighed maybe you know NFL ready at this very moment when it came to deciding who was going to get the number 7 spot. And I like that they went with Loudermilk because, again, he showed flashes last year. Sure. And I don't think he's going to end up ever being a starter on a defensive line, but a fourth man, a fifth man that is a rotation piece, I think he certainly can get to that point. I'll draw a comparison to a guy who we'll talk to, we'll talk about shortly here, Buddy Johnson. Mm. Right? A lot of people said Buddy Johnson. The Steelers learned essentially next to nothing about Buddy Johnson. They got essentially next to nothing out of him 
and in, in the little over a year that he was playing with the team. Compare that to Isaiah Loudermilk, who, yes, because of the circumstances, got significantly more playing time, but it was also apparent, Tom, that in the two training camps that Loudermilk had between last year at Heinz Field and this year at Latrobe, he was doing more with the time he got on the field at training camp and in the preseason than Buddy Johnson was doing. So really don't hate the the retention of Isaiah Loudermilk at all. Now, the inside linebacker room, you mentioned Buddy Johnson, and he did get the axe. It's intriguing to me because Mark Robinson is now number four on this depth yeah. chart when it comes to the inside backers. Well, there uh, you go. I mean, that, that kind of proves the point is that Isaiah Loudermilk did a lot more in his time than he could – or in his time than what Buddy Johnson could do in his limited time available to to capture the attention of the coaching staff. A combination of that and Mark Robinson, despite being incredibly raw. I mean, Matt Williamson likes to point out that he played running back, what was it, like two, three years mm-hmm. ago? So he's an incredibly raw talent on the uh, defensive side of the ball, but he's shown more than Buddy Johnson has in his two years here in Pittsburgh. For sure. And deserved one of those roster spots. My only thinking, though, is... And I guess if Buddy Johnson wasn't going to show you anything, what what are you going to do? Like, are you just going to keep Buddy Johnson because he's got more experience? But if Bush, if Jack, if Spillane goes down with an injury, Mark Robinson's going to have to step in for defensive snaps. I mean, it's just there's no way that you can uh, uh, work around that unless sure. you go out and sign a veteran. You go get somebody off of your practice squad to come in. You're not going to do that though. So they are dangerously close in that inside linebacker room to having a seventh round pick have to play significant snaps for them. And that worries me a little bit. To have only four inside backers when that's a spot of, of weakness, that, that I question that, honestly. And there's other position groups here where I think there's maybe one more player than they should have maybe kept. But there's probably reasons above my pay grade why they kept certain guys and let certain guys go. But I don't know. Four inside backers scares yeah, me. Yeah, it scares you. But another point that I'll bring up that our good friend Bob Labriola always reiterates is there are two factors into getting a roster spot. It's both... <laughs> Somebody earns it, and somebody can lose it. And I think with Mark Robinson, it was a combination of Robinson pro- or, or trying his trying his all to get that final roster spot at that position, and Buddy Johnson really doing absolutely nothing to take it or to just retain it and not let Mark Robinson take it away from him. Yeah, and again, Mark Robinson really did show some flashes. I'm I'm excited about the player. Don't I don't want to have people think that I'm bashing the guy or I'm worried about the guy, and I'm not happy that he made the roster. It's just I think he's really raw, and sure. there's a very very thin veil between him, you know, getting to play special teams, snaps in practice, maybe one here or there on game days to help develop that raw talent, and he's got to play 30 percent of the snaps on defense because. Bush went down or Splane went down or somebody went down, so he now has to jump into that third inside linebacker role and play a lot. So I do worry about that. But on the other hand, depth-wise, the outside linebacking room got a lot better in my mind with the addition of Malik Reed trading a late pick to Denver for Malik Reed. Guy's had 34 starts in his NFL career. He has 15 sacks. He's had more sacks. 13 sacks, I believe. It's 15. Oh, it's 15 oh, sacks really? total you in his career. What, are you okay. just going to cut off the well, beginning end say, of his I career? Think, I think he is 13 in the last two years. Oh, my God. I didn't know that the years the history, so, history doesn't matter no, to Malik Reed. You apologize to Malik. You the, took two to sacks Malik away from him. Malik the entire Reed family. So 15 sacks on his career, 13 sacks in the past two years. He's more go. sacks than anybody on Denver the past couple of seasons. Which is surprising, but maybe not so because Bradley Chubb's been dinged up. Von Miller left the team. Von Miller hasn't been Von Miller since he, until he left the team for the Rams, too. Right. He, he, he became exactly, Von Miller once again. 
So Malik Reed is a legitimate NFL player. And yeah, I'm not going to lie, Tom. I really didn't know this guy was that big of a factor on on the Denver front seven until I started watching tape just yesterday. It's a little curious why Denver moved on from him, especially because Denver is a team that's going to compete this year for a playoff spot, maybe potentially even that division with Russell Wilson. You'd think they'd want to, even if they have a lot of guys that they're high on ahead of Malik Reed in the pass rush department, probably want to keep a guy that has 13 sacks in the past two years around just to, you know, be a, a nice um, a glue piece or, you know, a, a, a nice little role player on that defense that can get you 10 sacks if he has a really good year this year. So a little bit confusing that they would move on from him, but I'm not complaining because it helps the Steelers immensely. Everybody keeps drilling down about how great of a depth piece this is, and it is because it, no matter how you slice it, it adds more depth to that outside linebacker sure. room. I am not a, a 100% convinced that he won't be the right man to start opposite of T.J. Watt, though, and move Highsmith down one? to a depth spot in that number three role, spelling Watt and Reed. I think Reed, if you look at the track record so far through the NFL, you know, if you did that thing where they silhouette the two guys and they say player A, player, player B, a, player B. I guarantee you more times than not you'd pick Malik Reed over Alex Highsmith His so stats. far. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe it's just because Alex Highsmith, you know, a little bit younger, a little more untested, but I agree. I, I, this was a move that, with a lot of names, like uh, like we said, big names, maybe not big imp, imp, impactful guys being cut yesterday, this was a really nice breath of fresh air and relief just because you saw it, and, and this is something you pointed out too, Tom, when you were talking about the inside linebackers, there are certain positions on the team where you're a little, you're kind of scratching your head saying, I wonder why the Steelers opted to keep more guys at, the, at this position than they usually do and keep the other positions so kind of cut and short, speaking to that example, the, only the four inside linebackers, but to go out and sign Malik Reed, it I mean, again, you have to you have to kind of have that conversation with the undertones of, of the 2021 season where you brought in guys close, I mean, around this time, right? Uh, it wasn't that Melvin Ingram and Joe Schobert and uh, Trey Turner, they weren't all signed before the start of training camp. This was, I mean, they were also... They were also here before that final 53-man cut, uh, that final cut. But still, this is kind of reminiscent where the Steelers acknowledged that they were lacking depth at a position, and they went out and they made the move. And again, uh, the timing of it really kind of surprised you what, the most out of all of the contributing factors of it, just to, 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 to bring in Reed on the day of where you're cutting down your roster to that final 53. Well, that's just because the Broncos were going to get a, let him go, and Omar Khan just doing his due diligence in the Steelers front office, calling around and asking guys, you know, who are you letting go? Who do you think you're going to cut? Well, wait a minute. Let's talk about this. Don't let yeah. them go to the open market. We'll take Malik Reed for, what was it, a fifth-round, sixth-round pick, whatever it was. Pretty so, nice. Pretty nice yeah, so that's that's how you work that. And same thing with Jesse Davis. We'll get to the offense in a little bit. He was going to get cut by Minnesota, so you, you avoid him getting on the waiver wire by just offering a late pick for him instead because you really need that guy. So that's just good GMing. I'm just kind of shocked that Denver was clearly going to cut or part ways with Malik Reed. Yeah, I, do. I am too. That's what I mean. I, I it, it gives you pause. Anytime a team doesn't want a player, you always have pause when your team picks him up. But for sure, I mean, like maybe it, there are things that you see in a guy that the other team doesn't. Oh, it works out all the and time. And the scheme doesn't, you know, fit well with them, but it fits better with you. Yeah, change of scenery is the thing. I think we're seeing that with Akella Witherspoon right now. Uh, for I think sure. I mean, his time him. in what, New Orleans. Seattle. Last year was with Seattle. They traded okay, for right. him from Seattle and uh, just wasn't catching on there. Like was, And they need defensive backup. I mean, 
you saw the reports that they were thinking about Artie Burns being one of the starters at cornerback this year. So, like, they are sorely in need of that Dire help at that position. Right. So, obviously, Witherspoon just needed that change of scenery. Uh, speaking of Witherspoon, we'll get to the defensive backs, but uh, Derek Tuska was the final linebacker that made the roster, the eighth man, the fourth on the outside linebacker depth chart. Uh, DB-wise, you know, nothing super surprising yeah, uh, as far really as I'm concerned. It's it's important that you keep Demonte Casey. For sure. Put him on IR. Um Marcus Allen was let go, that hybrid linebacker safety who's been playing a lot more linebacker for the Steelers. But Jerry Dulac reported yesterday that that's all procedural. Once they put KZ on the IR, they'll bring him they'll back. bring back Marcus Allen on the 53-man roster. So Allen is just a cut for now. Expect Marcus Allen to be back. And, and maybe that, you know, just talking myself into it, that adds a little bit more depth to that inside linebacker room, although... He's a hybrid. You don't really necessarily want to lean on him. He's not a true inside linebacker for sure. So he'll be back, but you know, it's familiar faces: Edmonds, Fitzpatrick, um, Sutton, Wallace, Witherspoon. They all made it. Arthur Millette made it despite being injured late in camp, but he just showed that he can definitely play that Mike Hilton role so well. So you got to give him a roster spot. James Pierre, I think, beat out Justin Lane. I think those two were fighting for one yeah. of the final spots and. Man, Justin Lane, third round pick just a few years Never ago. Worked out. You really hate to see that have to move on from that guy. And James Pierre, credit to him, an undrafted guy came in and earned that spot over Justin Lane. So James Pierre safe again this year. Uh Miles Killebrew uh was a guy that was probably right on the fringe. Trey Norwood as well, but with the injury to KZ, I think you keep them both. Just make sure you have safety depth while KZ's out. I wouldn't be surprised if a Killebrew or a Norwood gets waived when KZ Once comes KZ back because you probably want to keep Allen. I would guess, my guess is that they keep Norwood over Killebrew. My guess would be that too, young Jacob. I think that they would keep Kill or they would get rid of Killebrew or just put him on waivers, hopefully stash him on practice squad. Yeah, right. But just considering kind of like the Mark Robinson story of this year, it reminds you a lot of the Trey Norwood story of last year. Seventh-round pick, very little expectations, but did just enough to really earn that spot and not just earn it in his rookie year, but earned it a second year as well. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Before we flip over to the offensive side of the ball, I want to tell you guys about a new podcast we have here on SNR's Podcast Network. That's right. Subscribe to SNR's newest podcast, The Godfather of Pittsburgh Sports is Talking Nothing But Steelers. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Saverin on Steelers. New episodes drop every Tuesday and Thursday. Subscribe today. Available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. Stan's the best, all right? No you, one really you knows. You and I have both worked with him. He does Steelers post-game show. Yep. No one knows Steelers better than Stan. Just the history of Pittsburgh sports. Great really. addition to the Steelers family yeah. of podcasts. So make sure you're listening to Savern on Steelers every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, offensively, they kept three quarterbacks. Surprise, surprise. Everybody knew that that was going to happen. I'd say the big surprise offensively was Anthony McFarland. I did yes. not expect to see him get let go with the strong camp that he had. But I guess you had to make room somewhere if you're going to keep seven wide receivers, which they did, and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, I, I'm going to guess that Benny Snell got the edge over Tony back. I think Benny Snell was always going to be number two. I think he but was I always think, safe. Well, number, t- 
I think he's number three now, right? Isn't didn't the I bet that Benny Snell will be the number still number two, two guy. I bet he will be on game days. When we were talking about guys like Mark Robinson, raw athleticism, that's what Benny Snell can bring, and I think that's where Benny Snell earned that spot is because he can contribute in more ways than one, especially on that special teams factor, that side of things, and that's something that Mike Tomlin absolutely loves. Now, I will say this about the running back room. Um, if you had any hopes of Anthony McFarlane potentially getting to the practice squad, I don't think that's going to happen. He'll I think, be picked up. I think he showed a lot of juice in the preseason, and he's still so young and raw that someone who needs help in their depth uh, at running back is going to take him. And he's really good for the type of running back you want in the NFL today. He can catch speed, the ball. He's got pace, route running yeah. ability. He can do things. You know, if he's just not your number one running back, he can do things uh, elsewhere, you know, to help out in the passing game and things like that. So I think that there's really uh, no hope for a potential reconciliation from practice squad signing him back to the regular team in the middle of the year for, Which is for hard, Tony Mack. I think he's going to be somewhere else. It's a hard pill to swallow because right there, that's another – 2020 uh, draft pick that we're talking about. We just mentioned Justin Lane, and here we are with Anthony McFarland. That's two guys from that draft class already off the team. It is a, a little tough to swallow that pill. You you hate to see the draft picks not really pay out like that. Jalen Warren though really impressed these guys. Oh, of that's course. that's clearly why he. I made think the roster. other than like big names like Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, which are first and second round draft picks, Jalen Warren was the star of training camp this year. Absolutely, and for an undrafted guy to, to come in and show that kind of juice and, and earn that kind of trust to be the number two or three, wherever he does end up on the depth chart, but there is only three. But that's a lot higher than people were expecting him when he came in as an undrafted free agent. Hey, man, there was so many running backs that they threw at the wall during this process. Like, remember after day one when Master T looked like he was the, the front runner of the, mm-hmm. whoa, who's this guy? And Jalen Warren just ended up being steady Eddie through the whole process. He he flashed early and then was able Kept to continue to yep. burn brightly throughout the entirety of camp. Had the fumble problem, so he got to see Only some— one, That's what I'm saying, though. He got to see some adversity, and he responded to it well by going through the next two preseason games and holding on to that rock. And at that point, I think he knew the writing was kind of on the wall where he's like, they see what I can do talent-wise. As long as I don't cough the football up, I think I have a pretty good shot, shot to at least make Tomlin think pretty hard on final cutdown day. And he certainly did, and he finds himself with a 53-man roster spot and would not be surprised if he gets a helmet on game days either, Having since there's only three running backs. Uh, of course, Derek Watt counts in the running back room, but he's more fullback, obviously. More fullback for sure, but Jalen Warren, really from, and as, as you laid it out, Never gave up that spot, right? It was up for grabs between him and, what, four or five other guys, really, when they were going through the rounds of trying to get a guy to stick to the wall for that four-string running back. Jalen Warren really never let go of his grasp of that spot. And honestly, Tom, like, I know we're, we're sitting here saying Benny Snell could probably be that number two running back, but it wouldn't shock me if early on in the season Jalen Warren just gets that burst that Benny Snell does not have. And he does not forfeit that number two spot from Benny Snell. Wouldn't be surprised either. I think Benny Snell is definitely on the ropes. Special teams-wise, definitely, <laughs> I, I think, saved Benny Snell's uh, career, yes. if you will, here. Career is hard, but he might be hanging tenure, on by a thread when that's... tenure with the Steelers. Yeah, you know what? It might be career, too, because uh, those players are fringy, you know, and right. especially at the running back position, shelf lives aren't long. Here's a question. If the Steelers had chosen to stick with Ant- Anthony McFarland over Benny Snell... Who would you have more faith in to land on another team between Tony Mack and I think and, Anthony and Benny McFarlane Snell. right now. I kind of agree. But I think Benny Snell would have landed on another team, too. But I think McFarlane's going to get scooped up any minute now, honestly. I think someone's going to come knocking You know what could be scary? 
I think a viable option is Baltimore. Baltimore. They need running back help. Yep. Uh, scary, maybe, as far as when they're fully healthy, him being a, an X-Factor piece. If he's the feature back when the well, Steelers play the Ravens, I'm happy, not yeah. scared of him very much in that role at all. Offensive line definitely uh, went over a pretty drastic makeover depth-wise. A lot of depth that we thought was going to be there, uh, specifically LeGlue and Haig, ended up exiting uh, the Steelers. Mason Cole, James Daniels, Kevin Dotson, Kendrick Green, J.C. Hassenhauer, Dan Moore, and Chukwuma Okorafor were the familiar faces throughout all of camp that made it the eighth man was someone who spent all of camp in Minnesota. Jesse Davis, That's the Steelers, right. sent a conditional seventh-round pick in the year 2025 to Minnesota. So not our problem. To get Jesse Davis into Pittsburgh. Uh, Jesse Davis has started a lot of games over the past four years with the Miami Dolphins. He was hurt last year, but he has played a lot for the Dolphins before ending up in Minnesota and now in Pittsburgh. So he's got starting pedigree, and he's got starting pedigree at the guard spots, at the tackle spots. This would be a total six-man move, in my mind, if the other guys weren't so miserable in front of him. I could see Jesse Davis getting a spot starting on this team at some point. Maybe not initially, because it is pretty tough to throw somebody into this, you know, throw their ass in the jackpot just two weeks away from Cincinnati. But I could see by week three, week four, Jesse Davis being a starter on this line because if things aren't working, you have to make change. For sure. You can't just keep going with the status quo. And if it doesn't seem like the status quo is going to get better, it's a fool's errand to try to just keep going down that path. So I like Jesse Davis coming in because I think he's somebody that can look over all the everybody except for Mason Cole's shoulders, who Mason Cole already has J.C. Hassenhauer kind of look, so it's fine there. But... Every single spot, the two guards and the two tackles can kind of look behind them and see Jesse Davis maybe lurking there. I like that as a motivational thing. And on top of that, he might just come in and be one of the five best linemen, and you don't have to really fret on where to put him because you have so much flexibility with what his skill set is that whoever you determine to be the weakest link, you take him out, you plug in Jesse Davis where he's playing. So I like the options it gives them. I don't think it's as slam dunk as a Malik Reed signing where this guy could be a starter hands down and play significant and contribute big time. But I think that Jesse Davis is somebody that uh, helps with the depth that they lost through the other cutdowns. Yeah, it's clearly of, of the two signings yesterday. This was the the less splashy of the two, but just as welcomed. Just because that offensive line, we know the problems there with it, and whenever you're dealing with offensive line problems like the Steelers have in the last couple of years. You're willing to experiment, right? And so it was certainly a shock to see both Joe Haig and John LeGlue not make that final 53 cut or or final round of cuts beyond it. But I guess whatever the Steelers saw out of his tenure in Miami was more promising than what the Steelers saw in their own camp out of John LeGlue and Joe Haig. Tight ends took three. Pat Fryermuth, Zach Gentry, Connor Hayward. No surprises there. We knew that was going to happen. We uh, reported no, yesterday. No surprise at all that Kevin Rainer didn't make it? No, we knew that wasn't going to be a thing. Uh, if they were going to keep Hayward, which we knew they were going to keep right. Hayward, and Watt, which they knew we were going to keep both of them. So. We assumed, yeah. Wide receiver, seven guys making the team. That was probably one of the bigger surprises to me. I thought it was destined to be six guys. Um, Miles Boykin, Calvin Austin the third. Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Gunnar Olszewski, George Pickens. We all know those four were going to make it. And Steven Sims is the seventh man. He it's really impressed. Guy, yeah. I mean, and he impressed in that Lions game, in that final preseason game. Wouldn't it be surprised if that was the deciding factor? Pushed him on a roster. Uh, you know, part of me says you 
take six wide receivers so you can have nine offensive linemen. Part of me says you take six off six receivers so you can have a more inside linebackers depth wise. But Steelers obviously think Steven Sims is going to help them more than any of those guys on the O line or the uh, defensive side of the ball that they would have sure. kept instead of him. And another factor I think that played into this. I think that they're okay if a Vons or if a Cody White is practice squatted and someone else signs them. I think they really liked what they saw out of Steven Sims. I think they see some they future potential there. They didn't want somebody else to snag him up because they didn't think he was going to be safe enough to just sit on a practice squad. So maybe that is uh, part of the motivation. You you make extra room for an extra wide receiver because you think you have something in this extra wide receiver. And he certainly showed like he has some ability in that Lions game, playing with the ones and catching the touchdown pass from Mitch Trubisky to end the two-minute drill. But seven wide receivers is certainly a, a bit of a, an eyebrow raiser. I thought that six was for sure what they were going to go with. But I'm not appalled by it, and I'm not you know egregiously outraged that there's not an extra offensive lineman. Because, again, I mean, at that point you're just saying you have depth for the sake of saying you have depth. It's not going to be quality depth. And Steven Sims right. probably is quality depth at the wide receiver spot. Here's my issue with it, Tom, is this is all moot if Anthony Miller doesn't get hurt. If Anthony Miller stays healthy, Anthony Miller takes over that six. Miles Boykin maybe is likely, even that seventh. Maybe there's just six if it, if Anthony Miller's healthy. Who knows? I just feel like it would be between because you assumed the big four out of the two rookies, Deontay and Claypool, and then Gunner being the fifth. It'd be Boykin and Miller fighting for that six, and you'd be inclined to say whichever one doesn't get the six would be the seventh guy. So that's my issue. I mean. I don't I don't know what the Steelers' plan is if they're going to release Anthony Miller or not. But if they choose to keep him, he's on, on long term IR. If, so if, but if he'll be fine. If they bring him back again next year, then again, so what are you going to do? You're going to have Miller, Boykin, and Sims battle it out once again. Why not? It's not a so. problem for a six man spot. Oh, you always want to have, you know, three, four dogs, one bone when those spots are up for grabs. I think that helps make your team better and it helps you truly determine, you know, who deserves to be in that wide receiver spot. That'll do it for this episode of Steelers Standard and our recap of the 53-man roster for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Things get super serious now as practices are whittled down to the players that you will have in the stadium, Paycor Stadium, next Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. So... That game is coming like a freight train, and we cannot wait until we get some real football to talk about. But on the way, in our next episode, we're going to take a look at some of these guys that made the 53-man roster. We're going to talk some over-unders for individual Steelers and performances we're looking for in the 2022 season. So that's on the way next. He's Jacob Recht. I am Tom Offerman, and we'll talk to you on the next Steeler Standard. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.